Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hello and welcome to the Provoke podcast. I'm Diana Marzalek. I am a senior reporter with Provoke Media. Today I have with me Peter Prodromo, who is the president of Boathouse an independent agency in based in Massachusetts, I believe. Is that correct, Peter? We are just outside of Boston. Just outside of Boston. And you've been there fairly recently. You spent 15 years at Race Point, also in Boston, which we all know. So welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And yes. just uh, to let you know, we also have offices in Washington, D.C. and Menlo Park, California. Excellent. And where are you? You're in, you're based in? I co-locate between Menlo Park and Boston. Good. That's a little commute. It's a bit of a commute, yeah. Keeps <laughs> things interesting. Exactly, exactly. Well, I know you have a particular interest in AI and how it does or doesn't work with strategic communications. Um, as I told you before this, I'm a bit of a novice, but but I know when I started this job a few years ago, we were busy writing um, about the fear that AI was going to uh, replace everybody. Um, take everybody's jobs away. As far as I know, that has not happened. You're here, I'm here. A lot of people are still here. Um, so bring us up to speed, um, kind of the use of AI and what you see as its potential in uh, in, in the comms industry. Absolutely. Um, so I think there's so much talk about AI. There are people who talk about it replacing us in terms of being able to do copywriting and creative design and things of that nature. I don't think about it in those terms at all. From my perspective, um, and this is probably a reflection of the fact that I spent most of my career in public relations and communications, I think about it as tools and solutions to help us better target uh, influencers and better understand where we can create influence through distributed channels. And so, you know, four, five, six years ago, I was thinking in terms of uh, individuals as mastheads, take a Kara Swisher. Uh, you know, she wrote for the New York Times before that, the Wall Street Journal, and she was valuable in both of those instances for the masthead. But she also had millions of followers on social media, wrote books, went on television. And so as an individual, she was much more prolific as a masthead. And what I wanted to do was figure out how to target those individuals and figure out who the 8, 10, 20 most important distributed influencers were in any particular category. Uh, and I set about at that point creating um, homegrown software tools that could help to do that kind of evaluation. And that was, from my perspective, early stage AI. Now, what it lacked was the ability to apply machine learning and natural language and things of that nature. Uh, and there are other people who are true software people who over the same periods of time and longer actually were busy building out solutions that could use machine learning uh, and could use natural language and other uh, aspects of, of AI to figure out not only who the most important distributed influencers were, um, but where coverage was happening, um, where the most important conversations were occurring on any given day around a set of topics, um, and consolidate and provide that information so that we as practitioners could then do a better job of engaging, creating content and targeting. So when I think about AI, I'm thinking about solution sets like that, that basically give us a deeper, better understanding 
of the media ecosystem and how we can manage um, our relationships within those contexts. And I think a lot of times people think that um, that, that means social listening, um, but the solutions that are out there now are so much more prolific than so social listening. You know, the ability of them to identify, uh, particularly around natural language, um, and sort things um, in ways that uh, traditional tools cannot, so that we have a much more powerful uh, look and, and, and understanding of conversation. I'm a little surprised, just again, from, from my layperson's uh, position, that you're talking about, if I read you correctly, that, that you see the tool, at least for the for in comms, as AI helps you identify the best distribution methods or distribution outlet um, characteristics of your client. So we have a solution that illustrates um, sentiment, but it goes beyond sentiment. It illustrates passion. And so the ability to basically use natural language to understand the passion of conversation that's occurring among stakeholders is critically important because um, what science has shown us is that people who are passionate about a product are much more apt to support it than not. You know, digging deeper, it actually, our AI solutions um, can monitor specific conversations that are occurring around brands at the individual level. So if somebody is on a flight and they're having a good experience, we can see their their tweets and and, um, and outputs. Um, and we can see uh, when they're having a neg negative experience as well. We can see specific hashtags uh, and places where people are engaging um, and lodging their complaints or saying something positive about a brand. Basically, um, we can see almost everything that goes into understanding a narrative structure um, that is being created by constituent groups. And the solutions that we're using don't just look at things like investors um, or customers. It looks at employee engagement. It looks at um, other key stakeholder engagement from public policy perspective. So it gives you a really, really detailed um, look and, and uh sense of, of every conversation that's occurring. Um, and why that's important is this, from our perspective, um, brand as we know it no longer exists. It's no longer a set it, create a static brand, um, and then continue to, to drive that brand meaning forward. Instead, each of these constituent groups that we're monitoring through our AI, uh, through our AI solutions are creating specific narratives that are defining the brand on a daily basis. Um, the economist Robert Schiller wrote a book on narratives. He actually went back and did 200 years worth of assessment on narrative structure and identified that those organizations who were best able to either launch a narrative or capitalize on existing narratives and seize them to their advantage actually created value consistently. And that trend happened over and over across 200 years. So if we have an AI solution that lets us understand things like individual engagement around a, a person's experience or what an employee has to say in a time when employees are defining brands more than ever um, or an investor or you know somebody who's interested in ESG or DEI, um, we have a much more powerful um, way to engage with them and create narratives for those specific groups that can then drive forward the value of a brand and a company. You mentioned creative narratives, and there's there's two areas I wanted to touch on. One is using AI in creativity. Um, it can help you create the narrative, but it doesn't. It's it's not the creative force, correct? In my book, it is not the creative force. I think there are people who want it to be. 
Um, you know, I did an interview with a, an analyst firm a couple of years ago, and I was talking about the fact that I think because of technology, and I've grown up in technology PR for, for 30 years, um, but because of technology and how we think about digital engagement right now, we've actually effectively destroyed brand. We've made everything transactional. Everybody buys on cost at this point. Um, you know, during the pandemic, everybody flocked to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Partly because they liked the Amazon brand, but mostly because they knew they could get a product for a cheap price delivered the next day. And in doing so, we've ruined the value of creative. And what I said to that person in that analyst firm when he asked me what I saw as the next iteration of great marketing and advertising was that I see it as the reassertion of fantastic creative for storytelling. And I think over the next three, four, five years, we're going to see that both in marketing, advertising, and PR, because ultimately, um, there needs to be some separation created. Otherwise, we're going to totally commoditize every business that we deal with. So you see the elevation of creativity coming. Is that what you mean? I do. I do. And I think that requires human interaction. I think okay. it requires the ability to actually be emotive oneself in order to create great creative. So where does AI, is? does AI have a place in that process? I think, again, to help inform what it may uh, look like and to inform the narrative structure that sits underneath it or the message or the story that you're trying to tell, because I think it's fabulous from a data collection and analysis perspective. But the notion that it's going to replace the ability of a human being to create something emotive and emotional, I think, is is completely anathema to who we are as a species. And so, you know, we really need to understand it in those terms. And I would also argue that the best uses of AI also are when they're blended with human intelligence. Yes, we're going to get a great artificial output that's going to be fabulous in terms of its ability to slice and dice massive amounts of data um, into data sets that that are, are much more understandable. But our ability as individuals to then interpret that um, and turn it into something actionable is incredibly important because right now there are just too many instances of reports getting dumped on CEOs' desks and CEOs basically saying, I don't even know what to do with this. And it's our, you know, it's up to us to be able to create some sort of actionable insights off of the back of the data. Right. It still takes a mind. It still takes creativity. It's, it's Absolutely. I mean, I'm optimistic about the future of humanity in, in the marketing <laughs> and communication sphere. Exactly. We got, we got to start here. So, I mean, given though that there's all this talk, all this reliance, all this building out of data and analytics, AI, whatever you want to call it, do you feel like it, the industry has the kind of the oomph or whatever it is needed to advance that creative? When I started thinking about what the best kind of agency would be um, for the future, it's, it's almost ridiculous because I would see an agency where you need a behavioralist. You need a creative person. You need a data scientist. You need somebody who understands how to manage a campaign. Um, and the thing I always go back and fixate on is the behavioralist. And to me, all of these things require humanity to be involved. Um, and I think, you know, even as we become more focused on machines and their ability to provide information to us, if we don't figure out how to then interpret that and understand the behavior of the people that we're dealing with, um, we're going to wind up just having less good outputs and programs. So it's a little bit of going back to basics in a way. I mean, yes, it's augmented with all these things, but it's still the nature of the business, right? Yeah, I think it has to be. I mean, you know, it, it not to use Arnold Schwarzenegger movies as, as a point of reference. 
<laughs> well, a little bit. I mean, you know, the machine hasn't achieved consciousness yet. And I think consciousness really informs our ability to to get it creating brands and driving narratives and making people feel like they're part of a story. Um, and I think there's still a degree of artificial otherwise. Right. I want to circle back to, um, you You mentioned the C-suite and executives getting kind of data dumps or whatever you want to call it, the big. And I did read a piece that you wrote or participated in about how you can use AI to make things palatable or understandable for C-suite and hence kind of inform business outcomes. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, one of the things that I love about Boathouse is that we're focused on um, tying back to business outcomes. Now, everybody says that, but we're using um, things um, that that uh, people like Mike Porter put together years ago uh, that help inform um, and are proven over time to understand how to link business uh, results to great consulting. And then what we do is put the overlay of marketing and communications on top of that using things like narrative structure and AI to inform it. Um, and, and I think, you know, it sounds like a lot of big words, but at a practical level, here's what it amounts to. Uh, years ago, I sat down with a CEO of a company and that CEO said, you know, I need to expand my business into new markets and I need to understand what's happening in those markets on a day-to-day -day basis from a news and information perspective. And all I'm getting is this 70 pages of output mm -hmm. from a typical social listening tool. And I don't know what the heck to do with it. And the request was awesome. They basically said, can you tell me the four things I need to understand about that market in order to make a key business decision? And we went off and put our heads together. Isn't that cool? Right? And we went off and put our heads together and said, okay, we need to understand you know, and we identified the four items. Um, and then what we did was create a monitoring solution that interpreted along the lines of what those four business outcomes were uh, so that we could publish information back to him from news and from social channels, but also give actionable insights. This happened in the Maryland market today. You must do the following thing and so on and so forth. And that gives you access to um, the C-suite in a way that you otherwise wouldn't have. And we as a profession have been seeking that access forever. You know, I've had the privilege to work alongside um, great strategy consultants and work, watch how they work. And then I walk out of the room and I'm like, I could do that. Um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and I actually had one of them say to me, you're one of the best in-room consultants I've ever worked with in my life. I'm like, how come they do 10x payment for your business relative to this business? So, you know. Absolutely. So it's a tool to aid the C-suite, to aid um, comms firms in, in the consultancy, business consultancy sort of world. Yeah, because if you think about it, whether we wanted to be at that, have that seat at the table or not, it's being thrust upon us. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do we have the guts to take it? And once we have it, how do we stay there? Right. And to me, that's the most stimulating part of the business. You know, that's what keeps me getting up every day because I'd rather be focusing on how to solve the problem for market penetration than I would thinking about how I'm going to, you know, write the next byline article. 
Interesting. So where do you see this all going? <laughs> you could go anywhere, I know. But what's kind of next stage? You know, what are you, uh, what are we looking at? Oh, I think firms populated by behaviorists. No, I'm, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you're going to go, you're going to go into psychology now? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, someday I have to tell you about my idea for a, a futuristic bar where basically you combine therapy with, with martinis. Well, I'm telling you about it now. I'm in. And uh, isn't that a great idea? You charge a hundred bucks for a martini and then have a licensed therapist speak with you. Exactly. Therapist. He's also a bartender or the bartender which training, that, right? I that's love it. it. That's it. So if you're looking for a business partner on that, I'm in. Okay. So, um, so where do I see it going? You know, it's so unpredictable because basically I think technology has completely outpaced our ability to keep up. And so there are technologists who are inventing things right now that are going to define the direction we take it in. But here are two things that I see happening. There's those of us who are practitioners who are coming in and looking at the AI as a solution to enable us to do our jobs. And they are competing or we are being competed with directly by technologists who are saying we can be replaced. You know, and literally there are outputs that these technology companies are showing to CEOs and they're basically saying based on this we're going to set up the following structure for your social media engagement um, and there are going to be CEOs who are going to buy that the problem is once they buy it there's nobody to really drive the content there's nobody to drive the engagement there's nobody to drive the discipline and there's nobody who's going to help them to shift when the you know when things change and so um, I think that is going to be the battle, how we basically start to inform people about the importance of us as opposed to the machine learning. All right. Well, good luck with that. I know. <laughs> Come I know. to the bar and we'll talk it out. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Um, I appreciate the conversation and all your knowledge and input. And I appreciate talking with you, Diana. And we both have interesting last names, but thank you for pronouncing mine right. Oh, well, it took me. I'm sure everybody heard that me doing phonetically, but <laughs> better than butchering it, right? That was great. It's been, it's been fantastic talking to you. All right, you too. Thanks so much. You have been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent, and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.